0: You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, March 10th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. A Sitka-based residential treatment program for Alaska teenagers is moving to Juneau. Raven's Way treats teens who have been diagnosed with substance use or dependence. It's operated by the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, or SEARCH. But sometime later this year, the program will merge with Juneau Youth Services, which SEARCH is in the process of acquiring. Search's communications director, Lindsay Schaefer, says the details are still being ironed out, but Search offered jobs to all Ravensway staff.
1: So a a good chunk, 80 percent of the current Ravensway staff in Sitka have been offered positions uh, in Sitka as well uh, because we are going to use the space that's vacated by Ravensway, the buildings there uh, in Sitka, to expand our adult uh, substance use treatment program. The remaining staff that were not offered positions in Sitka have been offered positions at the new Ravensway campus in Juneau. So there isn't anyone that was not offered a a position, period.
0: Schaefer says this means Sitka's adult substance use program will effectively double in size as well. Like Ravensway, Juneau Youth Services provides residential treatment for teens as well as therapeutic foster care and case management. Schaefer says it's too soon to say exactly what combination of services will continue to be provided, but once the purchase of JYS is finalized, it will be known as the Ravensway Campus.
1: Regardless of where it is, Ravensway has been very important and very impactful. We understand that, and we want it to still, it will still benefit youth that are struggling with drugs and alcohol or or alcohol. Um, And then youth outside of Southeast Alaska will have a direct route to get to Juneau, which will allow us to expand the program, Reach and Impact, and I think that's a great thing. Um, And also, I think the expansion of the substance abuse services for adults in Sitka is going to go a long way to helping a lot of families and folks, you know, recover and get better.
0: Ravensway was in the news this time last year when Search closed Crossings, a wilderness program for at-risk youth based in Wrangell, which was one of the community's largest private sector employers. At the time, four of the 16 staff members were offered jobs at Ravensway, and the other 12 were offered commensurate positions in Wrangell. Since Search is still in the process of acquiring JYS, the timeline for the move to Juneau hasn't been nailed down yet. But Schaefer says the class of teens that graduates from Ravensway this April will be the last group to complete the program in Sitka. Alaska's congressional delegation has filed an amicus brief in a federal lawsuit that threatens to shut down salmon trolling in southeast Alaska this summer. The brief is meant to be friendly guidance for the court, but at least one of Alaska's senators is not feeling especially friendly about the possible threat to an Alaskan way of life. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports.
2: Lawyers for Senators Dan Sullivan and Lisa Murkowski and Representative Mary Peltola filed the brief on March 6th in the U.S. District Court of Western Washington. The lawsuit was brought three years ago by the Seattle-based Wild Fish Conservancy against the National Marine Fisheries Service. The conservancy argues that southeast salmon trollers in Alaska intercept king salmon, crucial to the survival of an endangered population of killer whales in Puget Sound in violation of the Endangered Species Act. The court is now considering whether or not to vacate the permit that allows the summer and winter troll fisheries in Alaska to operate until the violation has been remedied. An amicus brief doesn't argue either side of the case, but is more like friendly advice to the court. During a recent visit to Wrangell, however, Senator Dan Sullivan was not feeling very amicable toward the Wild Fish Conservancy. This lawsuit is ridiculous. Think about what they're trying to do, shut down this fishery. Estimates are that could impact Southeast by a hundred million dollars for orca problems in Puget Sound. They're not asking for the fishery in Puget Sound to be shut down. They're not asking about the pollution in Puget Sound. They're looking at shutting down our fishery here. Idiotic and an abuse of the Endangered Species Act. The amicus brief itself takes a more measured tone and suggests that the cure is worse than the disease. The National Marine Fisheries Service is already rewriting the 2019 biological opinion that the Wild Fish Conservancy first took issue with and is bringing it into line with the Endangered Species Act. NIMPS is going to protect the killer whales. The amicus brief asks the court to protect the humans who've depended on this fishery for over a century. Or, to paraphrase the legalese, the harm that the vacature would cause outweighs any deficiency in the incidental take statement because the asserted violation has been largely remedied by nymphs and the economic impacts of the proposed remedy will be damning to an entire way of life that has existed for generations and will devastate the troll fishing communities of southeast Alaska. A final report and recommendation on the matter is pending in front of U.S. District Court Judge Richard A. Jones. In addition to vacating the incidental take statement that allows king salmon trolling in Alaska, Jones will also decide whether or not to suspend a Washington hatchery program intended to make more prey available for the southern resident killer whales. Reporting in Sitka with help from Sage Smiley in Wrangell, I'm Robert Woolsey.
0: The amicus brief from Alaska's congressional delegation comes just as some major players have stepped up in support of trollers, including the two largest hatcheries in southeast Alaska and the full House of Representatives. On March 1st, the Alaska House debated Joint Resolution 5 in support of the southeast Alaska troll fishery. The measure was sponsored by Representative Rebecca Hemshoot of Sitka and had the full backing of Sarah Vance from Homer, who chairs the House Special Committee on Fisheries.
1: This is an opportunity for us as the legislature to stand united in saying we want to defend our fishery and our rights as sovereign uh, over the state of Alaska in these continued unnecessary lawsuits that um, are attacking individual Alaskans and their ability to provide for themselves.
0: Kodiak Representative Louise Stutes also sits on the Special Committee on Fisheries. She argued that if Alaska failed to defend this lawsuit, it would certainly be defending many more.
2: This is a very slippery slope we're on, and we absolutely need to defend the sovereignty of our resource here in the state.
0: The resolution passed the full House, 35 to 1, with Representative David Eastman of Wasilla opposed. The following day, on March 2nd, another organization came together in support of Southeast Trollers. The board of the Sitka-based Northern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association voted to contribute $75,000 to the Trollers' Legal Defense Fund. This came on top of a contribution of $25,000 made in 2022. Ensara General Manager Scott Wagner said it took about an hour of discussion for his board of 22 Trollers, Saners, and Gillnetters to agree that supporting one gear group in this case meant supporting them all.
1: I think the overarching concern with this lawsuit is that it has potential to affect all fisheries down the road. You know, If they are successful targeting one, uh, I don't envision they're going to stop and um, not target others moving forward.
0: Ensara's sister organization in Ketchikan, the Southern Southeast Regional Aquaculture Association, followed suit a couple days later and also contributed $100,000. Sarah and Ensara are nonprofits funded by an enhancement tax on fishermen and by sales of their own fish called cost recovery. There is no war chest. Wagner says the nonprofit hatcheries will have to raise money to fight the lawsuit through their existing revenue streams.
1: We have to increase our fundraising, which we do that through cost recovery, which means catching more fish and selling them as an organization for revenue, which means that there's less fish for the commercial fishermen to catch. So it's coming out of their own pockets.
0: As yet, there is no timeline for a resolution to the Wild Fish Conservancy lawsuit. A final decision is pending before a federal judge in the U.S. District Court of Western Washington. Officials in Craig are urging water conservation as the community recovers from a weekend outage that left some pipes dry and others with dirty water. City Administrator Brian Templin says that residents should avoid leaving their taps open to flush their pipes of sediment and other impurities. He says that's necessary to allow the city's storage tanks to refill.
2: We're starting to build um, storage water in the storage tank very, very slowly, and our concern is that if we have too many people uh, flushing their water lines trying to get rid of uh, colored water or using too much water for other purposes, that it would not take very much to drain the system right back down again.
0: Craig's water system remains under a boil water notice through at least Sunday, March 12th. Residents should boil their water for at least two minutes before using it for cooking, drinking, or teeth brushing. Templin says the water pressure rose enough by Wednesday morning to collect bacterial samples. The samples were shipped to a lab in Juneau Wednesday afternoon. The boil water notice can end when samples come back clear of bacteria like E. coli.
2: And now we're just waiting for the results, which may take a few days still. So we're still looking at boil water notice being in place until uh, at least Sunday the 12th or Monday the 13th and then we'll uh, see where we're at and hopefully be able to lift that water that boil water notice.
0: But if water levels drop too low Templin says that could trigger an extension of the boil water notice. As of Wednesday, two of the four so-called treatment trains at Craig's water plant were running at full capacity. The other two are sidelined until new filters are installed. It's unclear when replacement parts will arrive to restore the system's full treatment capacity. Taking a look at the community calendar. Community nonprofit applications for Sitka's Women's Club's annual grant are due on Saturday, April 15th. Email sitkawomensclub at gmail.com for an application or see their Facebook page. Free teen open gym is at 1 p.m. on Fridays in March at Blatchley Middle School. Activities include open gym, open skate, ping pong, and karaoke. 4-H leads archery on March 17th. For more information, email recreation at cityofsitka.org or call 747-4031. Bingo Size takes place at 1 p.m. on Fridays at the Alaska Native Brotherhood Founders Hall through March 24th. The free, nutrition-focused health sessions include ways to reduce the risk of falling and are open to all, followed with snacking, socializing, and prizes from 2 to 2.30. For more information, email douglaso at or call 966-8674. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.